This is Season 2, Episode 4 of Mastering the RPG, an RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Our episode tonight, Players Become a GM, or The Student Has Become the Master. Welcome to Mastering the RPG. Like I said, a tabletop RPG podcast. You're going to find some advice, ideas, cool stuff found, emails, opinions, all sorts of stuff like that. I'm Carl with my co-hosts, Eric and James, but James isn't here this week. We just have Eric. Um, and you can Hello. find it. <laughs> I was going to do an Australian accent, but I was like, I do not want to do that. So, so yeah. <laughs> and if you want information about the show, you can check us out at masteringtherpg.com. Or, and you can send us email, feedback, or questions, have us adjudicate something at GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. And uh, that's all for that. Yes, I'm here only with Eric tonight. <laughs> yes. But we have some excitement. It'll be exciting. Um, and we have, for everybody, some cool stuff that we'll talk about. Eric, what you been up to? Uh, you know, uh, trying some new games out, some new systems out. I, my, my, my local Barnes and Noble store is going out of, not going out of business, but closing down. Um, so they had like insane deals and everything. And I pretty much raided the, the game section. So I picked up a lot of Pathfinder books. I picked up some other books like, um, in the, the, the age system, the expanse and fantasy age, um, and some other like random bits. So yeah, I got a bunch of dice. So that was fun. That was my big boon. So I'm just, you know, I was like new systems and seeing what they bring. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was just happy that we were able to get a session in on the game this week. Um, we had kind of missed here and there for a couple of weeks. And so it was good to yeah. get everybody together and, and go through and discover more about the planet you guys were on. The secrets of the universe as you discover <laughs> them. So. That's right. It's a crazy mystery. I, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, and, and believe me, it's not lost. I know what's going on. So this isn't like we're just making it up as we go along. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so hey, we have, tonight we have a cool stuff found. We have cool stuff found. Do you copy? Cool stuff found. Over. It's uh, something that Eric was going to talk about um what what did you find what do you want to tell us all about yeah so uh this week this is another um journey into board game corner where i talk about a some type of board game that's somewhat connected to tabletop games i mean the, the last couple ones i talked about definitely have why i brought them to the table they have uh you know a lot of role-playing potential and that you can kind of foster role-playing and that kind of creativity and stretch yourself in that way this one tonight is not as Probably, the, I mean, the last one was a party game. This one is even more of a party game. What I'm talking about today is the Red Dragon Inn. This is a series of games, of card games, party game. Very fast-paced. Um, it can it can accommodate a lot of people. I mean, I think generally it works best with four, but you can play up to, I mean, I mean the most I played was six, but I think you could probably play more. Um, but yeah, so what is Red Dragon Inn? Well, it's a party game um, where... Four adventurers up to, well, you know, actually, sorry, <laughs> at least two adventurers, but all, uh, you know, they've done their questing, they've done their monster killing, uh, they've gone back to the tavern, and then what do they do when they're at the tavern, right? So it's a competition where 
They're all around drinking, trying to drink each other out of the table, uh, under the table, basically. Um, so th that's kind of the theme of the game where they're all kind of fantasy archetypes or classes and it really ranges. And there's a ton of characters that you can actually get for it. But when you buy one of them, so they come in like one to eight, like red dragon in one red dragon in two. Um, when you buy one, you get kind of like all the components and you get four character decks and then you can buy more of them and use those character decks. And there's also like individual character decks. Um, and the character decks are very thematic. They range from, you know, like Gurky the Sneak, Zot the Wizard, to uh, Wizguile the Tinkerer, or First Mate Remy, or uh, Joran the Trickster. So it, it's all these different types of character archetypes, but what is the game? So the game is uh, pretty much card-based, and everybody has like um, a player mat with a um, 0 to 20 in kind of a circle, and you have little tokens, and um, one of the tokens represents your fortitude, and one represents your alcohol content. Um, and you track those <laughs> down. Everybody gets 10 gold, and everybody starts with like their character deck. They also There's also a drink deck. And so basically the game is you're trying to eliminate every, everybody else and be the last one standing by either getting everybody else so drunk they pass out, or they, they lose all their money and have to like leave, basically, because they ran out of money. So um, when basically, uh, yeah, so I talked about fortitude and alcohol. Um, you're trying to get whenever the, the, the alcohol starts at zero and fortitude starts at 20. And as you like lose fortitude or gain alcohol, um, if, the, if those ever meet, then you're out of the game. You've gone unconscious. Um, like I said, you start with 10 gold. So um, the game just goes around uh, player to player. Um, you have a deck of cards, up to seven cards from your, from your deck that you choose. And, you know, on your turn, you can discard and draw new ones. Then you, you play an action card. Um, then you buy drinks where you just pull a drink from the deck and you place it on somebody else's mat. Um, and then, uh, then you yourself drink. You take any drink cards that you have and look at them. And these drink cards are super thematic, like uh, Dragon Breath Ale. I'm going to show uh, Carl what it looks like, if I can get that. Dragon Bell Breath Ale, or there's a drinking contest, or wine, or Dwarven Firewater. So it's all these like thematic drinks or um, different kind of like mechanics that can happen. Um, and you pretty much go around like that. And as you play um, action cards, you can force, you know, getting somebody's fortitude off or causing them to drink more or help healing yourself. Stuff like there's all these like character abilities. I think I missed, um, uh, how do you spend your gold? Oh, so yeah. So then going back to gold. So there's two ways you can lose gold. Either one of the things, one of the action cards is you can start a round of gambling. And, and there's a bunch of cards that have to do with gambling. Like, you know, there's cheat cards. There's like where you, uh, cards that you control the round of gambling with like different effects. So gambling is a bit, big way where, you know, your people are like putting more money, um, forcibly actually, um, anteing into the pot. And um, whoever wins that gets the whole amount of gold. And then when the drink card, when, when the drink deck runs out, everybody has to pay gold to the tavern to uh, basically redo the drink deck. So, oh, wow. okay. you know, people are getting an, uh, money through gambling, but they're also losing money as the drink deck goes through. And there's some other cards that make you lose gold. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, obviously go through everything. There's also cards that you can use as like a reaction, and there's also cards that you can play at any time. So there's a whole bunch of different cards, but generally this is a very fast game that's super fun and thematic. And why I like it, and especially how I think it's tied to tabletop games, is um, that for one, I played this game like it's a really good game to play when, you know, if like you're, you're getting a group together like in real, real life and you're waiting for people. This is a pretty good game. Like once you know how to play this game, it goes really quickly. I mean, you could play this game even within like 15, 20 minutes. Um, so it, it can go pretty quickly. 
And so it's a good game to like kind of get into the theme of things and, you know, play while you're waiting for people or, you know, you take a break from like a long session to play. This is really fun. Uh, the other way that you can actually play this, which I've done before, which was really, really fun, is because there's so many characters like I have um, Red Dragon in two, but I've had people who have had, like, you know, other editions. So they have other characters or they buy the single character decks. Um, you can kind of like take a character deck that matches your in-game character. So if you're playing like an illusionist wizard, there's like an illusionist type character. And then as kind of like an in-game thing, like you guys are at the tavern, it's actually fun to bring this out <laughs> and play it like your in-game characters. So you can actually integrate this. It's almost like a weird mini game into your, um, into your normal tables obsessions. It's just a really fun change of pace. Um, also, you can totally role play these characters out. I mean, they all have pretty strong themes. So it is fun to kind of like, bandy about with their stuff um yeah so kind of a great definitely a great game while you're waiting for the group to get together you got 30 minutes everybody's yeah. having a good time around it um now can you turn you can that into a drinking as an actual, game can you turn that into yeah, a you drinking can actually game play it as an actual <laughs> drinking game yeah i would say you can absolutely play it it's actually a very common thing where you pull a drink you got a drink too so if you want to go that route it's totally acceptable but yeah it's just a really really fun super thematic fantasy themed party game about drinking and gambling and you know paying money to the tavern the the tavern uh waitress and everything so yeah that sounds like a lot of fun. We can we don't get together in person, so unfortunately can't have a chance to no. play that one. That's disappointing. I think we might we could try it in tabletop. I think there's a tabletop simulator. I mean, there's kind of a tabletop simulator for everything, so that could be an option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cool. That's uh, cool stuff for this week. Um, and then the next thing, we'll go and talk about players becoming a GM in our main topic. And now we're to our main topic. And our main topic tonight, as we mentioned, was players becoming a GM. And what I mean by that is you're a player and you're interested in becoming a game master, but you're maybe a little apprehensive. You're a little concerned. Can you do it? Can you not do it? Um, talking about how you get there, um, you know, as a... As a forever GM myself, it's great to have more players become game masters. And so hopefully we'll give you some insight, make it so you're not afraid to become a game master because, you know, you're playing with friends and friends are are there to be supportive and have a good time. <laughs> and so, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they give you crap, it's because they love you. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so great question would be then, why would you want to be a GM? So you're a player. And you want to be a GM, and I'll, I'll just start out with my favorite, and then I'll turn it over to you, Eric, is you want to explore your own ideas. The whole point is you've got, I don't know how many times you're playing a game and you're a player and you're going, wow, that, that reminds me, that would be a cool if it would have went like this or it would have been cool if it had you know, kind of gone in this direction. Yeah. You're having your own ideas. You've got an idea of how you want to explore and and. That's something that's a big deal that a GM gets to do. Um, they get to have the fun of world building um, and creating something that other people can dive into and enjoy. Eric, so what do you think? Those are kind. Of, that's kind of my well, top just, one. Well, just right on top there. of that too. I mean, I totally agree with that, and I think that's all. It's also like more practically on that note. Um, like if it's say it's like a home rule or something too, or a style of play, like. You know, you might discover, like, you might show the GM, hey, this rule really does work, or this thing really does work that you've been pushing for. Or you discover, hey, what I thought was work, what would work doesn't work. So I think it's a good way to, like, test those things out and kind of stretch, 
either what you think you kind of want a game to be or like what the GM um, might want. Uh, but yeah, but on top of that, I think another big one is um, helping helping the GM out, like giving them a break or, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit. We haven't done a full episode on it, but um, um, uh, I forget what it's called, but like a uh, game master um, burnout. Yeah. Thank you. Game master burnout. I mean, which is huge, you know, and I've, I've a lot of been in games and I've done it and I've other players have done it where you they just take over the wheel for, you know, maybe like a, sh- a sh- like a long one shot or a short campaign just to give the GM time to like reflect and maybe prep some more stuff like that. So I think that's a huge, you know, if you're really invested in a game and you want it to continue, it, it's really good to be like, hey, GM, you know, maybe I should I'll run three games like even if they even if they're not saying they're, they're burned out, they might like. Still be yeah, a little it's, bit. It's so a it real like thing. Get them catch up. Yeah. I mean, thing. Game Master Burnout, just like anything else that's intense, that takes a lot of creativity, takes a lot yeah. of energy, takes a lot of focus, very easy to burn out from it. And it's a real thing. So that's definitely a huge, you know, giving that gift to your Game Master to run some games for them <laughs> is is a, is is great. Um, yeah. And then, you know, with that in mind, right, maybe there's a game your GM doesn't want to play doesn't want to learn, yeah. but he'd be willing to, or she'd be willing to play in a game if someone else ran it. And so if you've got a new game system and you're excited about it and you'd like to try it out and it's not your, the one that your um, group normally plays. And I think that, you know, that's pretty standard, right? People kind of get into their, oh, yeah. their groove and like, I've literally done that like in the last year <laughs> or like year and a half. Yeah. Yep. So, or, uh, we we it was like a five e playing group, and I've talked about Pathfinder two e, and uh, basically ran a one shot for the group, and the GM was like, I like this, and then they took over like the normal game master took over and ran a, a Pathfinder game. So it's yeah, it, it, I totally agree with you, Carl. It's a great way to introduce a new system, or just you know like and sometimes there's games that are short, like Apocalypse Engine games. I, I think don't really handle long campaigns, or but you, you can kind of like play with different systems. But even if it's a new system you want to introduce, and maybe your game master will pick it up. So yeah, I think that's a great uh, thing to add. Um, for me also, I, I think it helps you just ultimately as like a player, even if you know, okay, I, I don't want to be a game master all the time. I want to do this maybe infrequently or try it out. E- even if you only do it once, I think it helps you as a player. Like it helps you then like write better backstories. It helps you, you know, like in, in game kind of maybe be cohesive more with the story at times. It really gives you that other perspective and, you know, perspective is important about learning in every, anything in life, right? So, like, I think that's why I also think it's good for game masters to play games once in a while. Like, forever game masters, like, you know, go join a game, just even if it's short, even if you just like game mastering. Like, so and, just getting that other perspective can really help you and your other things. Yeah, yeah, and that perspective, just to kind of jump in, that that perspective, you'll you'll go through the, the trials and tribulations that game master goes. Now, obviously, the players have their own trials and tribulations, but if, if you're... If you're GMing for a while and you're going, boy, these players never take the plot hook, you can step back and go, holy crap, was I one of those players who never grabbed yeah. the plot hook? <laughs> now I understand what he has been, what he or she's been trying to get the point across. I mean, you're yeah. laying these things out, and now I get it. I get it. And I guess the same thing, you know, this isn't an episode about being a player, but Game Masters being players and kind of getting where the player is coming from is is important. So that perspective, like you said, you get you. You you go a mile in someone else's shoes, basically, yeah, right? Exactly. So, yeah. um, so that's great. We so we want to do it, right? So now you're a player yes. and you go, I want to be a game master because I want to explore ideas. I want to give my GM a break. I want to play new games, but there's challenges, and that's the big thing, right? Is is we've got challenges to being a game master. It's not an easy job, right? It's it's 
it takes work. Um, and one of the first, the first challenges I think I always think of now I'm a homebrew guy. So it's the ideation or coming up with ideas to, to run, right. You're, you're used to having something presented to you and you're doing a shared story, right? We're doing a shared story, but you're riffing off of what's being presented. Now you're sort of, you, you got, the blank piece of paper that you're starting with it's it's in your head now even if you're starting with modules or books there there's ideas in them it's not just go page to page to page right you you have to understand and bring your own ideas to the table none of these adventures can just be run at least in my opinion right no, nothing can ever be run just pick it up and go page by page by page you have to well, I, have ideas I, I mean, and that's would, a challenge that's a challenge yeah i mean it certainly is. I think there is like beginner boxes, beginner boxes and starter. Like there is adventures made for people to like learn the game with players or to like first time GMs. There certainly is some that are more set up to be like it's less prep. You know, there's it's not as deep of a story, things like that. So there are like adventures that you can get um, that are kind of built for beginner GMs and, and make and, it much easier. And yeah. you hit right into it. you mentioned preparation. So that yeah. that's definitely a challenge. What what challenge? What's challenging about preparation? In your mind, well, I mean, we're we talking about. I mean, there's mo- there's modules. There's also you know homebrew, right? Um, well, I mean, one of the big thing we've always talked about is is over preparation. Um, we've you know a lot of people have talked about that in, in all different types of the internet and YouTube and everything. But o- over prepping for sure. Um, uh, you know, getting too overwhelmed maybe like with with being like oh I have to do this and that and this and that and kind of losing the the scope or losing the thread a little bit or you know maybe going too hard like getting too big of a module or trying to do too big of a world kind of the, that kind of thing or, or getting too detailed kind of prep to yeah, start with details. right yeah. i mean you've got to balance that's the that's a struggle right all game masters have is balancing yes. the amount of preparation you do for adventure i think new people are new to game mastering especially if they got this passion for something that they want to bring out to the world and, and play yeah. with their players they get too in the weeds they get down to every detail and part of the game mastering experience is really you got to roll with the punches. It's a shared story. The players are going to tell their part of the story, just like you did when you were yeah. playing. So if you over prep and you have every little detail done, you're just going to get disappointed um, when people yeah. don't go step by step by step by step. And you know, you're again, if you're not writing a novel, it's a shared experience. Now you're guiding the experience as opposed to being just a participant in the experience. So. Be careful how much you prep. Um, prep yeah, just enough to do what you need to do. And actually, we've got a video, I think, or not a video, uh, a podcast where we talked a little yeah. bit about prep <laughs> and uh, over prepping yeah. and stuff like that. So, so listen to the back catalog. You'll learn something. <laughs> yeah, it, it, when, when we talk about starting small, it's not always just like in length or like it's also in scope. So, yep, yep. One of those things, like you know, I think it's better for your first time, especially like it's like keep it simple and go with cliches. Like you can always do maybe like one or two things that are you know crazy, but you're not, but you don't want to start like trying to break the mold here, right? I'm telling like the, the the new story, a new type of story that's never been done before. Like that's just overly ambitious, and you really want to get the like base skills down. So kind of relying on a more of a simple adventure or simple mini campaign and kind of like, you know, not completely tropey, but, you know, cliches are there for a reason and everybody understands them. So you kind of help yourself out a bit, like have 
have the understanding with yourself and like, okay, I'm going to rely on these cliches and I'm going to rely on these type of things because they're easy to understand. They're easy for everybody to understand. And you, you know, you're already doing a lot. So there's no use to like overcomplicate it for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with going after the bandits who have been yeah. plaguing the village to start with. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You don't have to know much more than the village and yeah. the players are going to grab that hook, right? There's bad guys. We want to take on the bad guys. So your your the amount of ideation you have to have, the amount of ideas you got to come up with, is is a lot less because it kind of writes itself, right? These tropes are around for a yeah. reason, um, and exactly. they work. And they work um, to to start off with. Um, and once you once you get in the groove, like once you've done it for you know three two or three sessions, and you're like, okay, I, I see, I'm getting the feel for this more. Then you can spice it up a bit, right? <laughs> like then you can add a little bit more spice or variety. But I think definitely starting out, you want to be really as simple as possible. And this also leads me to the next. Um, I don't know if we, this tips or just in the beginning, you really want to be honest with yourself about. Yeah. How much time you have to do this? Like, maybe you can't do it every week, you know? Maybe it'll be better for you to start of just doing it every other week. Like, really be honest with yourself and be like, can I sustain? If I'm planning on doing a campaign that's going to last a couple months, like, really be like, well, do I have the space to prep and do it? Like, you know, it's always better to start more conservatively, I guess is what I'm saying, and not try to overcommit to things that you can't actually fulfill. Because then that will, you know, because then one way you'll... If you do overcommit, then it will just you might just lose all your motivation to GM. But if you kind of start more conservatively, then you can get in the groove more. You can figure out how, okay, this is how long it takes me to you know prep a map. This is how long it, makes it, it takes me to prep the story kind of thing, right? So I think it's always better to start with, like, giving yourself more time than you think you'll need. Well, and that, and, and that really is maybe – I doubt this is comfort, uh, controversial, but it takes <laughs> more time to be a game master than it does to be a player. Just it, oh, so yeah. so if <laughs> not if, controversial if you had uh, well I don't know you never know so um, if this okay. was one of my YouTube videos I'd say go put something in the comments but you can't really do that on a podcast so yeah. um, but send us email you know the address game master at masteringrpg.com so <laughs> so but that honesty it says you know if you were spending an hour a week you know getting your leveling up on your player character and stuff like that and you really invest it may take you more than an hour a week to be ready for your venture. Maybe, you know, you can keep the prep under control, but it may take longer. And so you have to keep that in mind. And, and like Eric said, be honest with yourself about the time you have to invest because um, it, it, it's definitely takes more time than just coming and showing up at the table with your character and saying, Hey, let's get going. Yeah. So, so what other, so that's, that's kind of the preparation getting ready for the game kind of challenging, but what kind of challenges are there that you're going to have as a new game master actually running the game? Um, so what, what do you think about that one, Eric? You got to run it now. You've done all your prep. Um, you're ready to go. Yeah, you got that I first mean, session. I, now you got to run it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think mechanics and rules come in here. Um, uh, you know, just getting, because you're, Right. I mean, there's two parts to this. There's two parts to this. There's the actual game system itself. And every game system is going to have its own way that it kind of assists or the, the toolbox that it gives to the GM. But really, overall, there's some universal things there that like, you know, like we said, like how you do prep, um, how you do your story prep, how you do like, you know, dealing with players, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of 
system agnostic that's kind of separate from whatever system you're using but then we're going to talk about system and that's what really comes when you start running the game and that that's really going to come in with with like okay do i have a handle on all the rules do i do am i missing things a lot am i just am i do i have enough time like you've done all this time to prep but you kind of are not up on this new core you know this big rule book so i think getting lost a lot uh with 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 the mechanics can can certainly uh, hurt a, a new game master well the the flip side of that is is you don't have to be have all the rules mastered to the nth degree. I mean, yeah. oh, know no, your core yeah. mechanics, though. Absolutely know the basic resolution mechanics and the basics, um, because that's not the stuff you want to be looking up. But, you know, if you've got, if you've got, there's something in the game that's a chase, yeah, you can look up chase when you need a chase. If there's, yeah. you know, some other kind of rule that's a little bit on the periphery, you're not going to be able to keep it all in your head. And that's just going to get you frustrated. It's going to get you worried whether you're doing a good job or not. Stick to the rules, the, the basic mechanics. You can make stuff up. You know, your friends are your friends. They're going to understand that you're making a ruling. And you can always say, hey, we'll come back and revisit it later. But right now I'm, you know, we, we, the basic mechanic, I roll a D20. I get the DC. I made the DC. You rolled it. Okay, you were successful. Well, but what about this... We'll pick it up later um, because, you know, you're you've got enough on your plate. Um, so just yeah. stick with the core mechanics and some of the most important things. And then all the stuff on the periphery you can look up because you're new. You're learning. You know, it's it's not going to be a masterpiece. Right. Yeah. And I mean, as far as just challenges when running the game, I think we talked about time management and prep. There's also time management when, when you're actually running, like yeah. just yep. just generally getting the awareness of. Okay, combats take this long, or exploration take, or you know, and getting to know the players more. Like, okay, they they like to do this; they take a long time with this. So there's also a time management challenge there. Um, I think another big challenge with new game masters when, when when they start actually running the game is kind of like the the flexibility or the reaction to what the players are doing. Like, okay, how do I then now that I prepped this, they didn't go there. You know, we've talked about this before the the the, the troll right, like moving the troll around and. Um, but also just like ogre. changing, yeah. yeah, the quantum ogre. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I call it Schrodinger's Schrodinger's troll too. But <laughs> uh, anyways, um, uh, same thing. Uh, yeah, and just like you know, like uh, when you're just reacting to what the players are doing, and then like setting a new challenge on the next game. Like, okay, well, I had this idea for the story overall, but it's kind of taking this direction. So how do I write these new stuff in when I don't have all this time to prep? And kind of reacting to that, and also like you know, the, the players' backstories. Okay, how do I bring in their characters? How do I do this? So that's going to all be a challenge when you're, when you're actually running. And, and that reaction, you bring up a really good point, Eric. Uh, reacting to the players is one of the number one things that you should be thinking about as you're running the game. Yeah. If you get, if, you're, if the voice in the back of your mind is, oh, they should be going to the shop. They're not going to the shop. How do I get them to go to the shop? You're, you're too worried about the wrong thing. They don't go yeah. to shop. It's fine. They didn't go to the shop. There's something else to do. You can bring something else into the story. Later, they may go to the shop. It's fine. It's not that yeah. big of a deal. And that's where people talk about railroad campaigns where you're expected to do everything in order. And if you don't, there's a problem. That's only because you're not letting yourself flow. You let the, you know, when you were a player, you wanted to do things and have the game master let you do them and react to them. Do the same thing. Give the players that. And if you don't know... Just say, I don't know. Give me a chance. Give me a moment to think. I'll, I'll figure something yeah. out, right? No one's, um, you know, you're not, you're not on a TV special. You have time to think. It's okay. 
say, I'm going to go grab a Coke out of the fridge. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you want to talk more about like actual tips for all these things? And... So, yeah. So we talked, uh, so we kind of weaved them in for sure. Yeah. We've kind of uh, weaved we talked in, about yeah. challenges, but let's really get into it. So these are the challenges. Now, what can you do? Um, what do you need to know? Kind of the, the tips and tricks. Um, Eric, I'll let you start off, throw one out there. Well, I want to just kind of a segue from what you said last about railroading. Um, Here's a tip for me. I think it's really, really good to railroad in the beginning. I I think it's really good to have your preparation be one of those, you know, a really easy, like, this is where you need to go. Uh, You don't really have a chance to go anywhere else. This is like a very direct beginning to, you know, your first one or two sessions. I think it's actually a good thing to have it very railroaded because that gives you the space to kind of figure out the other side of GMing, right? Like how to handle combats, how to handle all the monsters, how to handle initiative, how to handle all the rules um, judging, you know? So I I think kind of you want to take as many, many stuff off your plate as possible. Like I said, keep it simple before, and then you can add those other elements in. So while I think it's really good to learn later about being reactive, I think at the very beginning, I think it's almost a good thing to have like a very railroaded kind of adventure. Well, there's a difference between railroading and a linear adventure, so I, yeah. I, I definitely think a linear adventure is your friend. Um, if the, it, when you're beginning, like the, we talked about the bandits. Yeah. It's very linear. I go find the bandits. Oh, I get a clue where the bandits are. I go find the bandits. You know, I do things step by step by step, and that takes it off your plate. Um, so for sure, a linear helps you out. Um, so for sure. Yeah, I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, and like, that, so. like something like even like if, even even more than that, like they could have been, okay, you guys were captured and, and you managed to like, you're escaping from this prison and then, you know, you're kind of in like a, you're escaping down a, a long valley, like a canyon, like, uh, you know, almost like really railroad, <laughs> like you're really like, they cannot go off course, at least for like the first couple sessions, right? I mean, they, there's obviously flexibility with how they deal with the challenges, but in and of itself, they can't really like you had this one challenge set up. They're going to get to that challenge no matter what. And I think I think that like there's kind of a, you know, people bandy about railroading or linear stuff as being really bad. But there's really nothing wrong with it at times and especially when you're just starting out. So don't be afraid to start with that. Like don't don't be like, well, I'm not a good GM already because I already did this. It's like, no, you, you have enough to figure out. You have enough on your plate. Like give yourself a break basically is what I, was what I mean. Yeah. And, and kind of, again, too much on your plate. One of the things you can do is take things off your plate. Yes. You've got a yes. whole table of players <laughs> sitting around. They can help you out. You can let them do the note taking. They can help take notes. They can help keep track of things. Yeah. They can help. It can even help remember the rules. You know, you can make a ruling and there's probably somebody at your table who loves rules and they can go look them up while you continue the game and then you can come back to it. Uh, you can actually leverage them in your world building. It's not all on your shoulders, too. You can source the table. You do not need to know what the tavern of the, you know, bouncing ball is. Somebody can help you describe that. When you come in, describe what you see. Um, hey, how about a name for this person? How, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that the players can do to help take that off so you don't have to think of absolutely everything. And then you got the note taker who can take notes on that. So later you can say, well, who are these people? Um, obviously, as you get better, you can start taking these notes yourself and you won't rely as much on the players. But even in Eric's game, you know, the game Eric's in, I still ask the players, 
to say, okay, did you guys know that? Did you take a note on that? What happened um, the last session? Yeah. And, and let them kind of drive that conversation. So players in many cases can help you along uh, your journey and take things off your plate. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I totally agree. I mean, that's, I also had the same thought and, and it can be with, I mean, if you, even if, you, if you're in real life, it can be like anything. It can be like, okay, you're the one who handles the initiative, like does the, keeps track of all the initiative. And you're the one that like, you know, they might even be like, okay, can you run this NPC for me? Like your character's not there right now. Can you actually just like act out this NPC while I'm like taking notes or doing other stuff? Like, yeah, exactly, Carl. I think that's a huge, a really good tip is to definitely leverage players and, and what they're good at. Um, and I think that there's also like, Beyond players, there's just so many resources out there, like never before. I mean, there's so many guides on uh, how to, you know, random NPC generators, right? <laughs> Which can be really great. There's AI generation for stories. Like, it, you can totally, like, do the, you know, whatever AI writing one and get Chat, you, you don't just, don't just yeah. take it as is, but, like, get some ideas from it. Like, there's a lot of tools to just help you as much as you can, because like we said, it's it's. I think it's a really the death of a lot of new GMs is that they try to do too much in too many directions at once, and you really want to make it as easy as possible for yourself. And, um, so uh, yeah, and the tie um, on to that resources, yeah. uh, you and I have talked about this a million times. You know, what what is the easiest genre to run? You might want to start with yeah. <laughs> uh, easy genre and easy is probably arguable. Um, you can you know go debate it, but I really think the fantasy genre right now is probably one of the easiest ones to start with because um, because it, 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 it may not be your jam, but it's easy because there's so go to the resources. There's so many resources. There's millions of maps. There's millions of adventures. There's just a ton of there's tokens and all sorts of stuff that you can find that helps you so that you don't have to figure out how to do it yourself. You could literally go to Reddit, go to the Battle Map subgroup, pick your favorite, you know, cavern complex and now you've got your setting for your if if you want to play other than theater of mind, now you've got something ready to go. Um I personally fantasy's not my main jam, but it's a great place to start because it's it's people get the tropes, people understand yeah. it. The adventures are easy to, you know, pick up on and go. There's nothing crazy and weird. It's 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 straightforward. Um, but it's a place to start, I think. If especially yeah. if you're if you're running a couple of adventures or a short campaign to give your GM a break, um, and and you don't have a huge idea you want to explore, it's a great place to to start, I think, um, because of all the resources available. For sure. And, and I mean, you might not, like, yeah, we, we've talked about that a lot. We think we had an episode about that um, in uh, Tabletop Tango. Uh, but beyond that, like, if you're in a system that's maybe a science fiction system or a modern system, then that's not available to you. But I think, again, that just goes back to the plot. Like, don't try to do a complicated plot. Don't do a murder mystery. Don't do anything political, right? Do do kind of simple, simple kind of missions that you can spice up later. I mean, I just can't reiterate that again. Um and that also goes into your monsters and your and your in your combats. Um, I think also you want to start out simple with your combats, and and I, I wouldn't get too worried about encounter balance. I think it's best to start on the weaker side, like don't overdo it. That I think that's a trap that a lot of GMs can fall into is they might overdo it. Right, um, start maybe on a little bit on the weaker side, so so you kind of get your your feet 
feet below you before you know you don't just tpk the party because you're like oh i didn't realize this this and this and this like would do this and all these things um and do like simple start with more simple-minded enemies too don't have like you know a really like a james blonde bond villain necromancer who's monologuing and has like uh plans within plans right like just have some maybe dumb goblins or simple monsters things like that like that aren't the, the smartest they're not going to have a ton of strategy and then later on, you can just get better and better with that. So I think also with your combat designs, you want to start simple, straightforward. And if, you, if it is getting too easy, you can always have, well, we've talked about this before with monster designs or whatever, you can always have like reinforcements basically that we're waiting, like of the same type. So if you're like, okay, I, I played it too easy, bring in some reinforcements to give them more of that challenge. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to kind of understanding the rules and not getting too... Um, wrapped around the axle that you know everything. Your monsters do not have to be the master tacticians when they first start playing. You know, your big, you know, one of the big bad monsters stood out in the open, got just completely wailed by the player characters. It's okay. They, they had fun. Yeah. You don't have to be a master tactician. The monsters using all their abilities to the best of their knowledge, to the, you know, umph degree, knowing the reactions, knowing this. It's it's okay, right? I mean, it's the the players are going to enjoy beating things up anyway. So, um, you, you don't have to know it all to start with. And that and like I said, that goes back to not having to know every nth degree of every rule. Just stick to the core. Same thing with the monsters. Stick to some of the core ones that are simple, easy. Um, but still, they can be. You know, you can still use your great ideas. You know, goblins can be easy, but if you want to, you can throw an interesting trap in there that the goblins set. But it's simple. It's straightforward. It doesn't have to be anything that you you know you designed on a, you know your three D CAD software to try to yeah. make it perfect <laughs> or whatever, right? So. <laughs> so what else? So any other thoughts? Uh, what other what other kind of quick thoughts that you might have there? Um, we talked a lot about players can help. There's lots of resources. Um, Eric mentioned, you know, it's okay to have a linear adventure in the beginning. Um, let the players take some of the the burden off of you. Um, yeah. And, and then we talked before, make sure your prep time is not, don't go too crazy in prep time, balance it. We, we talked a little bit about that. So that's, a lot that you can I, do as you're trying to grow and become uh, a great game master. But now, if you're listening to this and you're a player... <laughs> well, I, I want to add one more oh, thing. One more that, thing? Well, okay, segue, go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. That'll segue well into the player part. Is, is And we've talked about this all the time, right? Is Session Zero. Like, we... I mean, we almost should change the name of this podcast to Session Zero. <laughs> Which, actually, that is a good name for a podcast. I'm not going to lie. But... Um, uh, we talk about it so much, and I think it's still very important here. It doesn't have to be like a full session zero, but you should always have that session zero and be very, you know, open with your players and be like, "Hey, I want to start. I, I, you know, if they're your friends or if you don't know them as well, uh, I, I want to do this, try this for the first time. And here's the things that I'm worried about. And can you guys help me? Like we've talked about, and also, you know, put it on them. Like, don't have be like, can you guys make simpler characters or don't, you know, don't make super long backstories. I think that's a um, a big thing. It's like I, I again, I, I, I want much much off my plate as possible. So I think having open communication and being honest with the players about like not having the most complicated backstories or you know maybe not okay maybe you can't use all the different homebrews like uh, classes that are all weird and I have to go over that like like be be honest with them um, about those kind of things or if you have any like apprehensive apprehens uh, <laughs> if you're apprehensive about anything like that. So Com yeah. so conversations are important. 
having a yeah. conversation with everybody and everybody on the same page, which essentially is the, you know, the crux of a session zero, right? Everybody's on the same page. The social contract is agreed to, um, yeah. and we can go forward. Excellent. Excellent. So let's talk so yeah, about players, right? Yeah. So let's talk <laughs> how the players can help your player. How can you help that new GM out? Um, first and foremost, uh, you, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be patient. You know, this, this is new to them. Um, you may have been playing the game for a long time. Um, this new game master is just learning the rules, just getting good. Um, you know, be patient with them, um, take what they give you and, and, you know, be open and receptive to whatever they're throwing out there and, and, and say, you know, okay, that they've made a mistake on this rule. It's okay because we're having fun and we'll look it up later. It's great. Um, you're doing a good job. Keep it up, you know. <laughs> um, so be patient. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things we've talked about, you just flip it. And especially this goes to the game masters that are players. Like, Or if, if you're just a player and, and one of your other players is signed to game master. Like, all the things we're talking about... Be open with them. Like they might, you know, if they're they're probably they could not be listening to this podcast or really listen to any of them, and they're going too overboard, or you see them struggling. Like, be open about like, hey, uh, I do you need any help? Or I can I can take over notes, or you know, I can help you with this. Like, if you see them struggling, help them out because, again, having more people who will game master, even if it's not like the full campaigns, it's just better for everybody. It's better for the group, and so you don't want to have people being scared away by a bad experience, which I've seen a bunch of times. Like, I really have seen a lot of new game masters get super overwhelmed and they don't want a game master anymore. And so you want to just help them as much as possible. And this goes especially to the game masters that are players. And I've seen this too, is that like, they almost get like, okay, the player that is starting the game master, oh, they, they're always like messing up my plans and making these crazy characters. So I'm going to make a crazy character because I'm a game master and I never get to play anything. It's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, maybe wait three or four sessions before you start getting more eccentric or crazy with your character that's been hidden there all along. But like, you know, don't like take, this is not your time for like revenge or this is not your time to like, not, you know, not quite, not, not as malicious as revenge, but like, yeah, uh, take, balance take the scales or something, right? Yeah. Let take, them, the, take it, the plot hooks. Take, don't, don't say, yeah. well, I'm going to take be the, the curmudgeon hooks. and not yeah. do it. No, no, take the plot hooks. You want them to Cause I want to teach them a lesson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's not the time to teach them a lesson. Like let them get their feet under them. Let them get, build up confidence about game mastering before you start to kind of throw wrenches in their plan. I mean, even if it's not intentionally, if you're like, well, my character is chaotic neutral, you know? Um, so I do all this crazy stuff. It's like, maybe just keep that tamped down. Even if your character would do it, keep it tamped down until they can get their legs under them. Um, yeah. Very cool. So um, also, you said flipping it around. Uh, know the rules yourself as a yes. player. Because <laughs> um, the game master has a lot on the plate. And if you're expecting them to know all the rules for you and walk you through everything, that's yet another thing on their plate. Yet another thing they have to deal with. Now, this is true of all game masters. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, it's great to have the player, as a player, know the rules. You're coming prepared. You know, you've got your character sheet ready to go. You, you know what you can do on your turn and how to, uh, the turn mechanics work and the combat mechanics and, and all the basics. You've got that figured out so you don't have to expect the game master to teach you. And crazy how many um, times I play with experienced players and they, they still don't understand the basics of combat. And it's like, how long have you been playing? You don't know on your turn, you can do these two things. I, it's crazy. How, how, do, how do you play for that long and not know those? So know them for your game master. Yeah. 
and I've done this, like, I've seen this happen, even if it's not a new game master, if, if it's just, like, groups that I've been in that were like, okay, we're going to try this new game, like, in, like, a small campaign or something. And then it usually is, like, me and somebody else will, like, really learn the rules along with the game master. We, we probably know the rules better than the game master, even with an experienced game master, because they're focusing on doing the story. So, you know, just, you want to, as much as, much as you can, like, take some of that weight off for them and, and kind of put it on yourself. And that also goes, like I said, we, we were flipping everything around. So it goes to your character, your character type and your, and the play, your backstory, like go smaller, just make it easier for them, make it more straightforward, make it more obvious what the, your own little hooks are. And don't just have a super complicated backstory because that's just something that they're not going to even probably get to or deal with because they just, you know, they have too much other things they're they're looking at. So um, just be aware of all those things. Yeah, I think the backstory one is is a, a good one. If you've got an incredibly complicated backstory and you're hoping to explore it with a new game master, they're they're busy just on the main the main thread. Um, yeah, they're, there's they're, they may just not be able to to understand the nuances of your complicated life that led you to this, and you're really hoping that you know the the your your mother-in-law will return as a zombie because you knew she got bit. Long. They're not going to get it. They're, they're just yeah. trying to keep the story going. So, so keep this backstory, like you said, tight and short and easy to digest um, and not too crazy. All right. So, hey, Eric, you got any other thoughts from the, the player side of things? Um, I think we've covered everything. And like I said, it just flip everything we talked about. Um, and, and be communicative. Like I said, if they, they look like they're struggling, um, you know, it might really save them. And, and like I said, we, we need more game masters around. You know, even if they're not full-time game masters, we need more game masters around because that's the true lifeblood of the hobby. I mean, really. And you've, you've seen, we've seen that now with the whole D&D debacle, you know, about um, who, who are the main customers that were losing. They were losing the game masters, and that's what caused them to shift. And the game masters are the most important commodity to to this gaming industry because there is no AI that can really do this. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, the more and more we foster it, and the more understanding we have for people, and you know, it, they might have their own insecurities. Who knows, right? You just got to be really uh, empathetic. I think is the most important thing. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to to end it. Empathy, communication. <laughs> um, be it's good the to each other. Hour? What is this? Be good to each other. <laughs> Eric, how does that make you feel? That <laughs> All right. So mm-hmm. hey, thanks everyone for tuning in and I hope you got something out of it. Remember to drop by masteringtherpg.com to learn about our projects and all about us. If you want to contact us, email to gamemaster at masteringtherpg.com. That's if you got questions, you got advice, or you're seeking advice, or you want Eric to adjudicate a question or a problem <laughs> your group is having. Perhaps it's, it's between okay. a new game master and player that they that something needs to be figured out. I don't know. Um, so again, that's Game Master at MasteringTheRPG.com. You can catch us on Twitter, too, at MasteringTheRPG. Um, and we're very happy that you're watching, or I should say listening, and love good reviews uh would love some feedback um if you got topics send them along and we'd love to cover whatever you need to cover so again this is carl with eric happy gaming and i'd say say goodbye guys but james isn't here he's usually the one who says that so beyond beyond the veil he's saying goodbye 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 all right and we'll catch you later